At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson Part 1, The Old Buccaneer Chapter 5, The Last of the Blind Men My curiosity, in a sense, was stronger than my fear, for I could not remain where I was, crept back to the bank again, went sheltering my head behind a bush of broom. I might command the road before our door. I was scarcely positioned. Here my enemies began to arrive, seven or eight of them running hard, their feet baiting out of the time, along the road, and men with lantern, some paces in front. Three men ran together, hand in hand, I made out even through the mist, the middle of them, this trio was a blind beggar. Next moment his voice showed me that I was right down with the door, he cried. Oi, oi, sir, answered two or three. A rush was made upon the Admiral Benbow, the lantern bearer following, and then I could see them pause, hear speeches pass in a lower key, as if they were surprised to find the door open. Pause a brief, the blind man again issued his commands, his voice sounded louder and higher, as if he were a fire with eagerness of rage. In, in, he shouted, and cursed them for their delay. Four or five of them obeyed at once, two remaining on the dark road, with a form of beggar. There's a pause and a cry of surprise, and a voice shouting from the house, Be all dead! But the blind man swore at them again at the delay. Search him, somebody, you shivering lumberers, and the rest of you laugh, get the chest, he cried. I could hear their feet rattling up the old stairs, so that the house might was shook with it. Promptly afterwards, fresh sounds of astonishment arose. The window of the captain's room was thrown open, with slam and jingle broken glass. Men leaped out into the moonlight, head and shoulders addressed the blind beggar on the road below him. Pew! he cried. They've been, they've been before us. Someone's turned the chest out, alone and aloft. Is it there? Well, yeah, he roared Pew. The money's there. The blind man cursed the money. Flint's fist, I mean, he cried. We haven't seen it anywhere, no how, returned the man. Here, you below there, is it, is it on Bill? cried the blind man again. And that, the other fellow promptly, probably him, who had remained below to search the captain's body, came to the door on the inn. Bill's been overhauled, all right. He said, nothing's left. If these people are in, is that the boy I wish? I had put his eyes, uh, put his eyes out, cried blind, the blind man Pew. There was no time again. They had the door bolted when I tried it. Scatter lads and find them. Sure enough, they left them glib here, said the fellow from the window. Scatter and find them. Rope the house out, reunited it Pew, striking with his stick upon the road. Then there followed a great two to do for all the old old in old in heavy feet pounding to and fro furniture thrown over doors kicked in till the very rocks re-echoed and men came out again 
one after another on the road and declared we were nowhere to be found. Just the same whistle alarmed my mother and myself of the dead captain's money was once more clearly audible through the night, but this time twice repeated. I thought it had been the blind man's trumpet to be to speak so many cruel to assault. I now found it was a signal for the hillside, for all the hamlet, if, and from its effect, the buccaneers a signal to warn them approaching danger. Here is dark again, said one. Twice if we have to ju- uh, budge, mates. Budge your sulk, cries Q. Dirk was a fool and a coward from the first. You won't find him. Mind. You don't won't mind him. Either. They must be close by. They can't be far. You have to find your hand. You have your hands on it. On it. Scare a lot for your dogs. I'll shiver my soul. He cried if I had my eyes. His appeals seemed to produce some effect. The two of the fellows began to look here and there. Among the number, but half heartily. I thought with an eye, half an eye, to their own danger all the time, while the rest stood insolvable, resolvable on the road. You have your hands on thousands, you fools, and you hang a leg. You'll be rich as kings if you can find it. You know it's here and it's standing there sulking, sculling. You always, one of you dare face Bill. I did it, a blind man, and I, to lose my chance of you, I am to be poor, crawling beggar, scrounging for rum, but I might be rolling in a coach. If I had but plucked of a weevil, a biscuit you would catch them still. Hang it, Pew, we got the rooms, rumbled one. He might have hit the blessed thing, said another. Take the George's Pew and don't stand there squalling. Squalling was a word for it. Pew's anger rose as high. These ejects until at last he pat his passion completely taking the other hand he struck, and then right and left in his blindness his stick sounded heavily on more than one. There in their turn, cursed back at the blind miscreant, fretted him in horrid terms and tried in vain to catch the stick and wrest it from his grasp. Girl was the saving us, but while he was still raging, another sound came from the top of the hill beside the hamlet. The tramp of horses galloping. Almost the same time a pistol shot flash or a bolt came from the hedge side. That was plainly last signal of danger. The buccaneers turned at once and ran, separating each direction, one seaward along the cove, one slant across the hill, and so on, so that in half a minute not a signal of them remained but pew. But not a sign of them remained but pew. Him they they had deserted. Whether he was in sheer panic or out of revenge, ill words and blows, they know not. And there he remained behind, tapping them down the road in frenzy, groping, calling for his comrades. While he took a wrong turn and ran a few steps past me towards the hammock, crying, Journey back, dog, Dirk. You have an age, you won't leave old Pew, mates. Not old Pew. Just then the noise of horses topped the rise, and four of the five riders came in sight. In the moonlight swept at full gallop down the slope. This puke saw his error, turned with a scream and ran straight for the ditch in which he rolled. He was on his feet again, the second made another dash, now utterly bewildered, right under the nearest of the crowing. Coming on, his rider tried to save him. In vain, down went Pugh. A cry rang high in the night, four hoofs trembled and spurned him, passed by, fell on his side, then gently collapsed, put his face and moved no more. Let to her feet and held the riders. 
They were piling, pulling up. Anyway, horrified at the accident. They soon saw what the, what they were. One trailing out behind the rest. The lander had gone for the hamlet. To Dr. Lindsay's, the rest were revenue officers, whom he met by the way, and whom he intended to return at once. So news of Lunger in Kit's hole had found its way to supervise the dance, setting forth that night in a direction to the circumstances. My mother and I owed our preservation from death. Pew's dead, stone dead, as was for my mother, when we carried her up to the hamlet, a little cold water salts, and that soon brought her back again. She was none the worse for her terror, though she still continued to implore the balance of the bounty. In the meantime, the survivor, supervisor rode on, fast as he could to Kit's hull, but his men had to dismount and grope down at the dingle, leading and sometimes supporting their horses, continual fear of ambushes. It was no great matter for surprise, and when they got down to the hole, the lugger was already underway. Though still close in, he held her. A voice replied, telling him to get him out of the moonlight, or he would get get some lead in him. At the same time, a bullet whistled close to his arm. Soon after, the lugger doubled the point, disappeared. Mister Dart stood there, as he said, like a fish out of water. And all he could do was dispatch a man to be to warn the cutter, and that is, said he, is just about as good as nothing. You're not. It got off clean. And that's an end, only, he added. I'm glad I trod Mr. Pugh's calls for my, for by this time he had heard my story. I went back with him to the Admiral Benbow and cannot imagine a house in such a state of smash. The very clock had been thrown down by those fellows in their furious hunt. I was my mother, myself, and nothing had been actually been taken away except the captain's money bag, a little silver until. They could see at once that we were ruined. Mr. Dance could make nothing of the scene. They got the money, you say. Well then, Hawkins, what in fortune were they here the day after? More money, I suppose? No, sir, no money, I think. If I had in fact, sir, I believe I had the thing in my breast pocket. And to tell you the truth, I should like to get it to put it to put in safety. To be sure, boy, quite right, said he. I'll take it, if you like. I thought perhaps Dr. Lindsay had began perfectly right, he interrupted very cheerily. Perfectly right, a gentleman and magistrate. Now I come to think of it, I might as well ride around there myself and put it to to or, or him or the squire. But if he was dead, when all's done, not not that I regret it, he's dead, you see, and people will make it out will make it out against an officer for his his revenue. He'll make he'll make it out and if make it out they can now I tell you Hawkins if you like I'll take you along I thanked him heartily for the office offer we walked back to the hamlet where the horses were by the time I had told mother my purpose they were all in a saddle Dodger said Mr. Dance you have a good horse take him up this day behind him as soon as I mounted holding on to Dodger's belt the supervisor gave the word the party struck out at a bouncing, tr- bouncing trot on the road to Dr. Lindsay's house.